Well, hello, Derek. Good to see you. How are you? Good to see you as well, Steve. I'm doing great. Good to have you here. Uh, Derek Kent Ramsey, born December 23rd, 1956. Where did Derek and Kent come from, as, as far as your name went? Uh, that's an interesting story, Steve. And it's interesting because when I was a kid, I did not like my name, Derek. And uh, the reason I didn't like it was because kids would call me, as kids normally do, uh, Derek Oilwell. Mm -hmm. That was my nickname. Oh, really? As a little person. Uh -huh. uh, until I popped a few of them upside the head. So we got rid of, got rid of uh -huh. that part. Yeah. And, and what about the Kent part? And, and the Kent, my mother, she said that she wanted, she felt, knew, thought I was special before my birth, why she thought that, I don't know. But she said, so that meant having a different name than John and Tom and mm -hmm. Bill and Bob, mm -hmm. their old particulars. And so, of course, as I got older, the more and more I fell in love with my name because it's a powerful name, it's a significant name. And so, uh, of course, I learned to live with it and it's, it's done me well. Absolutely. Um, Derek, real quick, we'll do five quick questions, and then I'll get yeah. into some, uh, some serious questions for you, okay? Okay. Not too serious, but you know, right. serious enough. Favorite food? Seafood. Favorite movie? Oh, man. Uh, that whole Godfather series. Uh, mm -hmm. Probably the documentary of Dr. King that was played by Paul Winfield. Okay. Uh, will probably be my favorite movie. All right. Uh, favorite musician or group? Musician, uh, Isaac Hayes. Mm. Here's a voice very similar to myself. Yeah. If you didn't remember. Yeah, I can tell. Um, what about group? Do you have a favorite group back in the day? Coming uh, up through high school or college? Well, of course, that was Michael Jackson and the Jacksons. I mean, mm -hmm. they, were, they were everybody's favorite during that time. Were you a Temptations fan? Oh, Pops, absolutely. Abs absolutely, guys. yeah. David Spinners. Ruffin and the boys, Spinners. David yeah. Ruffin, yeah. yeah. <laughs> How about, uh, who was your childhood sports hero? Uh, I had three of them. Uh, of course, Jim Brown, uh, Bill Russell. Mm -hmm. and uh, Muhammad Ali. So you named three guys that were incredible athletes, but more than that, they were incredible human beings who used their voice for bigger things than, than sports. That's right. That's exactly right. Is, was that something that played a part in those guys being heroes when you were younger, or did you start to, as you got older, look back and go, man, th those guys really used their voices for things that meant something? Well, as I, as I came along and as I grew, uh, I understood more of what they were trying to accomplish. And sports then, uh, sports today is a powerful weapon if you use it uh, to talk to the masses. And so hopefully I've been able to, over the years, lend my voice to a lot of issues because what happens so frequently uh, athletes in particular uh, don't use their voice. They don't use their platform. Uh, when George Floyd got killed, 
I mean, what LeBron and those guys did, I was so proud of him. Mm -hmm. Because again, they use their platform. You got all these millions and millions of people watching. And uh, because in the past, during my time, guys didn't really use their platform for that. Uh, they were too busy trying to make money, which I get. Mm -hmm. uh, because they want to mess their money up. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, but early on, because early on in my career, uh, when I first started in football, the medium salary was $48,000. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that didn't carry you very far. And it depended on, in particular, also where you live. Well, you know, Art and those guys were over in Kansas City paying two twenty-five a month for an apartment. I'm paying five seventy-five, mm -hmm. uh, same time, with the same dollars. And so, uh, again, it just gave me a platform to say things, to do things, and I continue to do that to this day. Yeah. So outside of that, your childhood sports heroes, let's go one more last quick question. Who is your celebrity crush, whether you were in your teens or once you got to college? Who was a movie star that you thought, man, one day I'm going to marry that girl? <laughs> I, I wasn't going to marry her, but I sure like some Pam Greer. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Oh, yeah. yeah, Pam Greer. Uh, and uh, Pam Greer, of course, got famous from uh, from all the movies, but w was she in the Shaft movies? Is that right? No, I don't remember what movies Pam what, was what, in. What, she was, the, was it Black Exploitation movies that she got famous in? or uh, She was just something to look at. Oh, yeah, she was. I mean, I, she, she was. I've seen her movies. I, yeah. uh -huh. I can't remember that. It's been a while. but uh, Pam Greer is beautiful. Got that right. Yeah. Uh, Julia Carroll was, was beautiful. Yeah. 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 I mean, those were like, whoa, one uh -huh. of these days, one of these days. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So talk about, uh, talk about your family growing up, you, your, your mother and father and how many brothers and sisters you had. And mm -hmm. uh, most of your growing up, people know you because of Camden, New Jersey, but right. that's not where it all started. No, no, it all started in Hastings, Florida, uh, town in, uh, Northeast Florida, right outside of St. Augustine, Jacksonville area, population 650 people. And, uh, you know, of course, as you mentioned, I moved from there to Camden uh, because we were winning all the time, but only one guy that I played with, and we won the state championship my freshman year and my sophomore year back to back. In Thir football. In football. Yeah. 13 and 1 my freshman year, 14 and 0 my sophomore year. And were you a starter then? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Yeah. And uh, we. Uh, were you a quarterback as well? I've never played anything but quarterback okay. from the time I was nine. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. So as a freshman quarterback, uh -huh. you guys you led that team to the state title. Then as I a, had, I was the alternating quarterback. Okay. And then as sophomore year, team. did you do the same thing? Yeah. Okay. You guys mm -hmm. won back-to-back -back state titles. Right. Okay. Then you moved to your uncle's. To New Jersey and, with and, my high school coach. And how did that come about? Well, he had coached my brothers, my older brothers. Okay. Uh, he also went to the same church we went to. The coach or your uncle? Same person. Same guy, okay. Same person. I One called him my uncle, but he wasn't. I got you. Right. Okay. Like I call but, you dad. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Go ahead. Exactly. And so he uh, uh, talked to my parents and uh, let them know that he was moving to Jersey, which is where he was from. Mm -hmm. And uh, Camden High School was a mecca of talent, in particular basketball. And uh, coach had convinced me, he said, 
you know, and I was already starting to get recruited by Tampa, by the mid-majors, so to speak, uh, University of Florida, uh, because I was 55 miles away. Mm -hmm. But uh, the door really wasn't open. And so he said that if we go to Camden, New Jersey, from a town of 650 people to a graduating class of 762, mm -hmm. he said, if we go to Camden, get this thing turned around, uh, I can assure you the doors are going to open and you'll get more opportunities. Mm -hmm. And it played out just like he said. You know, I was all state as a sophomore, uh, but when I got to Camden, uh, I'm all American. All right? And your so junior year, you all went two and eight in high school. Two and eight. And, yep. Then, yep. The and next then the next year, year, we're undefeated in state champs. And uh, we turned it around as he had thought we would. Mm -hmm. And we had so many great, talented players there. It was just a matter of them having confidence that they could win because that year we went two and eight. Uh, a lot of those games were close. And if we had people that thought we could win, we would have won those games. Mm -hmm. But they were so used to, okay, they got behind, so the game's over. Well, no, if the game isn't over, it's just starting. And so once you start to in, you know, infuse those kinds of feelings, those kinds of thoughts about winning and how you get there, and the game isn't over until it's over, uh, we started to change. Players bought into what Coach Henson was saying. They bought into what I was saying. I was an extension of the coach because I knew all the plays and I knew what everybody did. Mm -hmm. So I too was like a coach on his coaching staff. Yeah. And uh, uh, so we're able to get it turned around and go undefeated state champs. And, and I became one of the top 100 football players in America. Well, had I stayed in Hastings, that never would have happened. You know, would I have gotten a scholarship to a bigger institution? Probably. Mm -hmm. But when I'm in Camden, when you got a high school of 4,500 students, you know, and in addition to that, Steve, I played basketball as well. Mm -hmm. Well, we're state champs in basketball also. You know, and I was one of the starting forwards on that team with the great art still. And, and uh, so it just brought that national exposure oh, to yeah. us. Um, just to back up a little bit, yeah. talk about your mom and dad and, and what type of people they were raising you mm -hmm. and, and how many brothers and sisters do you Okay. Uh, I had uh, three brothers and one sister. Okay. You know, in June, uh, June 2nd, 2020, I lost my sister. Mm -hmm. And then uh, this past December, I lost my youngest brother. Uh, my parents. What number uh, were you in that order? Uh, I was number four. All right, so they had five so, kids. You're number four. Okay. Yeah, yeah. And what kind of parents did you have? Uh, the best. Uh, they were no nonsense. They were very, 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 very discipline-oriented. Mm -hmm. uh, Spankings? Lots of those. Uh -huh. <laughs> lots of those. Yeah. Uh, I warranted a lot of them. Uh, okay. You know, I, 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 I would get a whipping probably every other day, you know, because yeah. I was doing something, she said. And uh, who who did the spanking? Mom, my mom, dad or both? My mom. Mom, okay. My dad only only uh, spanking. That spanking is with your hand. I'm yeah. talking about with a belt. Oh I'm yeah, I got, that's about, how I got him. Yeah, yeah. No, I'm talking about a whooping. That yeah, wasn't no spanking. That was a whooping. You're right. I would welcome a spanking. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> I take two of those, mom. Yeah. 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 
but uh, they expected a lot of us. Mm -hmm. And the interesting part, Steve, neither parent had a formal education. Uh, my mother, my mom, and dad uh, got married at 16 and 18. My mom got pregnant when she was 15, had my sister at 16, they got married. And my blessing was that uh, I had two parents for 56 years. Yeah. And uh, at sometimes I didn't think it was a blessing because of the demands. Uh, the expectations were high. They expected us to succeed. I mean, it, it was, they weren't parents that, well, my kid scored 25 points. Well, he's supposed to do that. My mom was the leading all-time scorer in her little town there at the mm -hmm. time, okay. you know, when she was younger. Yeah. You know, my dad was an all-star football player, so what we did was nothing new. It wasn't a surprise to anybody. I mean, to give you an idea about that, Steve, how it was such a unbig deal, if you would, if, if there's such a word, uh, we none of us had names. Yeah. We were all... Which one of Rudy's boys are you? I got you. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So you're known as Rudy's boys. That's correct. All right. That's correct. And what was in your dad's Rudy? Your mom is Elizabeth. Okay. Mm-hmm. All right. Um, so I remember you telling me a story years ago. Mm -hmm. um, you were a freshman. You were mm -hmm. on the track team. Mm-hmm. You went to your first track meet. <laughs> yeah. You got second place. Yeah. Versus all these seniors. Right. Well, it wasn't all seniors. Just mostly just juniors. Who, and whoever, whoever was out there. Right. Yeah. And you went home. You told your dad, "Hey, yeah. Dad, I'm a freshman. I beat most of these juniors and seniors. I came in second. Only got second. Isn't mm -hmm. that awesome? Mm -hmm. Isn't that great? Whatever you said. No, I, I didn't say that. And, and no, how it went was, okay. my dad and mom they would go to all of our events, and so when I got home, Dad had known that that was a new. Uh, experiment this whole track thing and the only reason I went out there to run was because my football coach was also the track coach okay. and it was a kind of a it was more of a showing of the school it wasn't really a track team mm -hmm. you know he just got some of his football players uh, you, you get out here you get out here and run with us you know because back then Steve we practiced or played football year-round you know, while we were in school, you know, after football was over, during we'd have spring football, then we'd have skull sessions, and then during the summer we would have meetings and practices. So it was a year-round thing. I don't know if that was legal or not, but <laughs> that, that's, that's what we did. And I remember you said to your dad you got second. Yeah. And your dad said, oh, you're, you're okay with that then? Second's good enough for you? Yeah. In essence, he said, uh, son, he said, tell me, what is it? How you feel about being second? Right. And so I said, Dad, I felt like uh, a guy came in in front of me. I came in second, and about four or five other turkeys came after I did. Uh -huh. He said, "What does that mean to you?" That's an interesting way to put that. Yeah. First, he asked me how did I feel about it. Yeah. And he said, "What does that mean to you?" I said, "Does it mean that a guy came in in front of me?" Uh -huh. I came in second, and the other turkeys came in after. He said, you don't get it, do you, boy? I go, evidently I don't. Uh. He said, let me tell you what it means to me. It means you're the first damn loser. That has challenged me, and I've lived with that all my life. Really? Yeah. It's either win or go home for me. Yeah. Well, we're getting to that, too, because mm – -hmm. 
you you get done playing. You guys are state champions again mm-hmm. in, in football. Mm-hmm. Um, you chose Kentucky to play football. Yeah. But before you chose Kentucky, give me the top three schools that were not named Kentucky that had you not have come here to Lexington, mm-hmm. you probably would have ended up at. Well, the initial school that Art and I signed was the University of Michigan. And wow, uh, Wolverine, huh? Yeah. Okay. And uh, Michigan was recruiting Art and I, uh, a guy named Bill Banks. You're talking about Art Still, right? Art Still, mm-hmm. yeah. Uh, a guy named Bill Banks from uh, Woodrow Wilson High School and Dwight Hicks from uh, Pensalkin High School. And the University of Michigan had this huge alumni. You would have thought Philadelphia was Michigan. Really? I mean, they had so many attorneys and doctors and lawyers, so they all were calling and stopping by and coming to see our games. Mm. And so anyway, uh, Dwight uh, went through with it. He went to the University of Michigan. Uh, Bill Banks ended up going to Penn State. And Art and I came here. And the reason we didn't go, one of the biggest reasons we didn't go, uh, two things. One, Coach Henson was concerned about rather they would follow through to play me a quarterback. Well, I didn't have that reservation. And the reason I didn't have that reservation was because the guy that they had at the start at that time was an African-American guy. And so, and I'm trying trying to remember his name, uh, but I had no reservation, but Coach had some reservation. <laughs> and he knew that had I gone there and they changed my position, I would have left, mm-hmm. you know, because I, I was determined to play quarterback wherever I went. And so we had those conversations with whatever coaches that I was considering. And so in the end, it was uh, once we had backed out of there, we assigned a letter of intent, and so what Bo Schimbeckler and we agreed to was that if I, uh, if they let us out of it, then I wouldn't go to another Big Ten school because Michigan State was heavy on us, Minnesota was heavy on us, Ohio State was heavy on us. And uh, so it probably would have been, you know, if I could have, probably Michigan State would have been in the next pecking order. Uh, Minnesota, probably third. So you have three Big Ten schools that yeah. probably would have been your first three choices. Yeah. And yet you ended up in the SEC. Uh-huh. Well, for, for let me tell you a story about that. Okay. Uh, there was a guy, uh, uh, played at Purdue, and uh, played for the Philadelphia Eagles. He was dating my Spanish teacher. And so, of course, he's trying to get Purdue in the picture. You know, y'all ought to consider, y'all ought to consider. Well, Purdue hadn't called us. They hadn't sent us any letters or anything. So, uh, but anyway, uh, he says, uh, you know, if I'm you guys, you don't go to uh, a Big Ten school, uh, you got to go to the SEC. So that's where the best talent is. Well, the only schools that had contacted us was when I was in Florida, I got contacted by Georgia. Uh, of course, by Florida, since I was right there at, at the foot of it. And so he said, but that's where in particular the speed guys go. And so 
when we backed out of that, we were a week from the national signing date. So everybody was pretty much where they were going. Yeah. And so Coach uh, Henson uh, called Coach Kersey. He knew Coach Kersey. And there's a great story behind that. When Coach Kersey was at uh, Fran Kersey. Fran Kersey, yeah. When he was at Tampa, Tampa played against Florida A&M, which was the first interracial game in the state of Florida. Wow, what year was that? This would have been 1970, somewhere there about, okay. 70, 71. Wait a minute, so we had been to the moon yeah. before there was an interracial game in Florida between? That's right. Okay, go ahead. That's right. And the interesting part, <laughs> yeah, yeah, we had landed on the moon, <laughs> yeah. And that, that was the first time. So Fran uh, and Fran's quarterback at the time was Freddie Solomon. And so he knew that Fran would play an African-American quarterback with any reservation. And so uh, he knew how I felt Which about Which was that. significant in the SEC. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Now, now, before you started as yeah. a quarterback in the SEC, I'm sorry yeah. to cut you off there. Right. Who was the first black starting quarterback in the SEC? Condridge Holloway, University of Tennessee. But the interesting story about Condridge, Condridge and I have been friends for since I was in college. And uh, he got recruited by Bear Bryant. Condridge is from Alabama. You've heard that name before, right? And Bear tells him, Condridge, you're a very fine athlete, but you will not be playing quarterback here. At Kentucky? No, at Alabama. Oh, he told him that at Alabama. Okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah. And so – Contra says, okay, well, I'm going to Tennessee. I'm going to Tennessee because his so what coach. What years was he there? Condridge uh, last year was uh, 75 was his last year. Okay. Mm -hmm. So from 71 to 75. And, and then the second African-American quarterback was a guy named Don Gaffney out of the University of Florida. Uh, and then I was the third guy. When we look back at the integration of the SEC, and then mm -hmm. you can go, we could get into the, the metrics of stacking and mm -hmm. what players would go where or whatever. But mm -hmm. when you look back at that, do you have any anger towards the, the system and the way it was uh, as far as, well, this guy is uh, a black guy, he's fast, he doesn't. Um, know the plays good. He'll be a defensive lineman. This guy's white. Mm -hmm. He's big. We'll make him an offensive lineman because he's smarter. Mm -hmm. uh, quarterback's thinking. We'll make that white. Mm -hmm. Wide receiver's fast guy. Doesn't need to think. Just catch. Mm -hmm. When you look back at that, mm -hmm. and, and there was certainly a lot of it mm -hmm. that was kind of a group think mm -hmm. amongst many coaches, do you get angry about it at this point, or uh. did you at any point? Uh, I, th I think a better word would be frustrated uh, because when you grow up seeing these systems, you already know. Mm. Now it's just a matter of how can you navigate this thing so that you can get to where you need to be. Yeah. And at every level, I was able to do that until I got to the pros. Uh, could I play quarterback? I mean, it, it, it is – such a given that somebody my size 
and as athletic as I was, uh, we're just going to have him on our team. Yeah. But quarterback, we're not. That we're not going to do. And in retrospect, if I could go back, uh, I'd, uh, I was talking to Condridge, and Condridge was killing it, CFL. He was killing it. And he said, Derek, you come up here, man, you tear this league up. The field's longer, it's wider. He said, you are killing this league. If I could do this all over again, Steve, and that's having played in two Super Bowls, I'd be in Canada so fast. Really? This whole NFL thing would be an afterthought. Yeah. Absolutely. I, w- I would be there, you know, that way. Uh, I could have lived out my full dream with this sporting world, and I'm not, I'm not complaining. I mean, that, that's how life was at the time. Uh, that's the hand I was dealt. And uh, so what I did was made the best out of every possible situation that I could be in. Yeah. But no, I, I wasn't angry. Uh, you know, when you get angered by things, then all of a sudden you're not thinking clearly. Mm-hmm. And that, that's something I weighed, that's something I considered. And the only reason I didn't go to Canada was I couldn't get them to pay me in U.S. dollars. They wanted to pay me in Canadian dollars. Yeah. And at that time, the Canadian dollars was 86 cents on the dollar. Yeah. You know, and of course I did my first contract, so I was gonna do my contract there. And so I had to be aware of, of what those numbers look like. Yeah, but no, I, I would have, I'd gotten drafted by the Hamilton Tiger Cats. Tiger Cats, they call them. So, backing up to Kentucky again, you came yeah. here. Yep. You were the only quarterback, I think, even to this day, and that's been 40 years, you were the only quarterback Kentucky's ever had that beat Florida, Georgia, and Tennessee all in the same season. Um, tell the story about – 1970, I think six or seven, I don't remember which, Leonard's Loser publication uh, for, uh, for people who don't know was Leonard would, would pick all the losers since everybody else was picking winners. He made a, um, a, a shtick out of picking whichever team was going to lose a game, and he had a big southern drawl, you know, and I love the way he would deliver it. You know, <laughs> the cats and the dogs are fighting this weekend. Leonard's Loser, Kentucky by 10. But, mm. but he picked – Georgia to whip Kentucky in Athens. Mm-hmm. You heard that. The team heard it. You all went to Athens. Mm-hmm. They win 33 to nothing over Georgia. And I think he made a bet on the radio. If mm-hmm. Kentucky beats Georgia, mm-hmm. I will walk to Lexington and shake Coach Kersey's hand. Mm-hmm. Was that is that how it went? Uh, I don't know about that, but I. But I, but you all won thirty three nothing. Oh, and, convincing! And people called the radio all week with yeah. Leonard sightings. Yeah, I see Leonard walking. He's <laughs> in Knoxville. No, he's in Corbin now. He's coming yeah. to shake okay. Kersey's hand. Okay. Um, had you not heard that story? No, I hadn't. Yeah. No. Well, so people had Leonard sightings uh, after Saturday all yeah. week. The next week, right? Um, to kind of pick at Leonard, but. You know, you made a comment in the uh, documentary on the ESPN and the SEC network mm-hmm. that ran 50 years of SEC football that right. um, when you came here and you played at Kentucky that you realized when you all started winning, it didn't look like a basketball school to you anymore. No, it did not. Because mm-hmm. there was a blizzard mm-hmm. before the Peach Bowl, mm-hmm. and they, the fans here in Kentucky followed the buses to Atlanta. 33,000 of them. Yeah, to, so to talk about mm-hmm. that memory. 
Let, let's back up a step before that. Okay. Uh, once Art and I decided to come to Kentucky, all of our friends, they thought we were crazy. Why? Well, they all knew that we were considering Michigan and we had those guys on the hook and of course Michigan was winning back then and uh, so I said, Kentucky never wins. Why are y'all going to Kentucky? Really? Yeah. He said, well, y'all crazy? But the interesting part about that, Steve, is when you've been winning all your life, <laughs> why would I think I'm going to lose when I come here? When I moved from Florida to New Jersey, they hadn't had a winning season in years. Mm -hmm. Well, somebody forgot to give me that script. You know, and yeah, we only won two games that first year, but the next year to go undefeated in state champs. And then we piled on a basketball state championship. So I had three state championships in football, one in basketball. Why would I think I was gonna lose if I came to Kentucky? Why? Mm -hmm. I never did. Wasn't concerned about that. You know, did I know it was a basketball school? Well, everybody knew that. You know, Kentucky won all these championships. But that didn't frighten me. I wasn't concerned about it. Uh, so when we came, uh, my class was so good. I mean, we had so many great players and guys that contributed right away. Uh, Art was a starter as a freshman. Jerry Blanton was a starter as a freshman. Kovach was a starter as a freshman. Dallas Owens was a starter as a freshman. Mike Saganos was a starter as a freshman. And so I knew the making of our class and the making of that team was my class. Yeah. And so it was just a matter of time of us growing up of us getting experience, of us learning how to play at this level, because this is really fast, because everybody can run. Mm -hmm. But that was a great part about being raised in Florida. Even the slow people are fast there. Yeah. So you, you're used to that. And so when I came here to think that we were gonna win, that was an afterthought for me. Yeah, I knew we were gonna win and it wasn't gonna take long. And so my sophomore year when I became a starter, I was one, two, and one, and they benched me. And the coaches wanted to look at me at tight end. <laughs> and I said, no, what you're gonna look at me doing is carrying my bags going somewhere else. And uh, Coach Kirsty talked to my dad because once the word had got around that, hey man, Ram's leaving. Yeah. And uh, so they called my dad and uh, my dad uh, says, uh, well, you know, I understand you wanting to move Derek to tight end. Well, coach, that's never gonna happen. One, it's not what you and I agreed to you agreed when you recruited my son, he was going to play quarterback. He said, now, the way Derek works and think is this. If it's demonstrated that he can't do the job, he'll accept it. 
if it's demonstrated that there are players that are better than him, he'll accept that. He's able to say that you're going to move him after four games, you know, and to be fair to coach. Uh, my play was up and down. I mean, I was all over the board, you know. Uh, we were in a veer offense. I was awful at it. I was too big. It's a size 15. You need to wear a size 9 to play to run the veer because it all happens too quickly. Mm-hmm. And it was happening quick too angles quick for me. All the time. Yeah. Well, the quick reads, not necessarily angles, the reads. I mean, you if know, you're reading it, reading it. Yeah. Well, you're reading that defensive tackle that's over a guard. Mm-hmm. And then the next guy, you read the outside linebacker. Mm-hmm. That was happening too fast for me. And so that was another you know, thing. They had told Coach Henson, well, when we get Derrick in here, we're going to change the offense to fit his ability. And what we did in high school, I had a lot of freedoms. You know, stuff didn't happen quick. Uh, I would a lot of times take sneaks when they weren't there. But if there's nobody there and I can pick up four yards, I did it. Mm-hmm. And so just a lot of latitude. And so Anyway, Coach is having this conversation with my dad. He said, so, uh, well, Coach, uh, you're going to bring Derek back, keep him at quarterback. He has to accept some things, like he wasn't playing consistently. He'll accept that, mm-hmm. you know, because I have been breaking down film with my high school coach since I was 13. So I knew what to look for, yeah. you know, and I was going to be honest with myself. Like I said, I sucked. I'd make a big play, mm-hmm. then I'd have a misread. I'd make a big play, then I'd have a fumble. Mm-hmm. Make a big play, then I got two interceptions. You know, so I had to live with that. I had to accept that if I was going to get better. And so as I looked over the next six games, and I'm watching the other guys play, and I'm watching – and so I was torn between do I come back and try to master offense that I can't run that's not suited for me, or do I go somewhere else? So I would made up in my mind I was out. You know, I was going to work my butt off while I was there because I had a scholarship and I had to contribute. But after the season, I was out. And then talk about your junior year when things turned around. Well, they turned around that year. Okay. They turned around. We're playing Florida. And uh, Florida's whipping the crap out of us. I mean, it was 32 to nothing. Uh, The first half, two quarterbacks go down. So Coach Kersey comes up to me and says, Derek, you're in. Second half. So, all right. So we were able to score seven points. They beat us 40 to seven. And I'm walking off the field, all still with the mindset that January, I'll be on another campus. Hmm. And uh, this guy walks up beside me, and he says, uh, my name is Perry Moss. He said, I'm going to be your new offensive coordinator. He said, I had a guy like you named Sandy Stevens. I said, I said uh, 1959, 1960. And he looked at me. I said, big quarterback, played in Canada, butchered the league up there. He's about my size, 6'4", 6'5". He's player of the year up there. He's in the Hall of Fame up there. And uh, he said, uh, just give me a chance. He said, give me a chance. And if it don't work, go away. Nobody's mad. 
I said, let me think about it. He said, well, if the answer is yes, meet me in my office Monday morning at 6 a.m. So Monday morning, I was at his office about 10 to 6, mm-hmm. waiting for him. And we go in and start talking. He wanted to get a feel for me, see if I had the intellect to do what he wanted to do. And so we put in an entirely new offense over the spring. The only people that met were he and I. We would meet three times a week before spring ball. And they put in an abbreviated wishbone, but they took the first read out. And the first read would have been that defensive tackle. First guy I had to read was the outside linebacker. Second guy I read was the strong safety. So I go from having to do all this little quick mess right in front of you to going to the defensive end. And then if he comes, if he crashes or goes to the back, then I'm off to the strong safety. And so it gave me my freedom back. It gave me an opportunity to display what I could do. But what it also did, it gave me a confidence because it was just he and I. The other quarterbacks, they weren't privy to this. So that, in my mind, validated they wanted me to be the guy. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And so uh, that spring, we came out and we had fun. And rarely does the defense beat the offense, in particular in spring and early part of the season, because defense is normally ahead. Well, we were kicking their butt. And uh, so it was exciting for me. You know, now I'm playing up to what I thought my capabilities were, because before I, I was underachieving. I mean, just I was frustrated and we weren't winning. and. Then to be benched for the first time in your life, I mean, what a, what a, what a humiliation, yeah. you know? Or at least that's how I took it. But then nobody's ever been more critical of me than me, you know, which has always been my driving force. So we go into the 76th season with the excitement and okay. enthusiasm. I'm just looking at a note here. Yeah. Go ahead. And, and so we start out with Oregon State and uh, Man, I end up uh, throwing three touchdowns, I think, and I ran for two. So I was off to a great start. And uh, then the year we just kind of went through and end up uh, nine and three in that thing, SEC championship. Uh, but as I had known, like I said, we had five or six guys in my class started as freshmen. Well, that sophomore year, we probably had 10 guys out of my class starting. And so then the next year, it was just more of those guys, and we kind of filled in with the other guys. And so you guys ended up going nine and three. Yep. And talk about the the trip, the blizzard, and oh, yeah, were you all yeah. just shocked that all these yeah. people were coming? That you no, you knew some people would, no, but thirty three thousand no. UK no. fans. I, I I wasn't surprised at all. Uh, I think Kentucky's fans are the best fans in the world. And the excitement for me that year was to be able to have given back to the fans of Kentucky who have been so long suffering, Steve. I mean, oh, yeah, we've been bad for yeah. a long time. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, and uh, to be able to do that, to be able to take the field 
as I had taken the field as a high schooler. And when I took the field as a high school, it wasn't if we were going to win. It was by how much we were going to win. Yeah. And by mid-season 76, that was the attitude of our team. It's not if we can win, if we can play with LSU, if we can play with Georgia, Florida. No, it wasn't if. It was how bad we were going to beat these guys. We knew it. And by 77 in particular, once we got past that West Virginia game, go up there and beat Penn State when they're number three in the country, we knew we had something. Yeah. We knew we had something. And Penn State, you beat them in Happy Valley, and they mm -hmm. were number three. Number three. Yeah. Yeah. And, and Penn State wanted you to come play there, from what I remember. Oh, yeah. Joe Pa. Joe, Joe Turner, Pa, yeah. He, he, yeah. he was honest with you and said, I can't have you at quarterback. We have yeah, that. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so. He can't have me at quarterback because what? Because they have that position set already. What they, do you mean set? They, they've recruited somebody already. Man, or I was ten times the player that guy was at quarterback. Yeah. No. I mean, he didn't say this, but this is what I read. Yeah. He said, uh, you're a fine athlete, but, but we're not going to play a quarterback here. Yeah. And uh, that was my cue that he wasn't going to play a brother. Yeah. Well, he was honest with you. Yeah, very honest, yeah. and I respected that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But, yeah, that, you know, it's funny that he would, you know, that that, that was his thought even back then well, with so many great athletes there yeah. were African-American. But they weren't playing quarterback. No, they weren't. Yeah. yeah. Nor um, were they playing inside linebacker. Yeah. Nor were they playing center. Nor were they playing free safety. Yeah. Oh. So <clears throat> you're at Kentucky. Mm -hmm. You you guys go nine and three in '76. You go ten and one in '77. You're ranked up at number six in the final AP poll. Mm -hmm. um, people also forget you played for Joby Hall. I did. You walked on for a few games yeah. for Kentucky basketball. Yeah. How did that happen? Uh, I always. Number 45. I don't know what number Yeah, you were number 45, yeah. Well, I always uh, knew that I could be a professional athlete. I wasn't sure whether it was going to be in basketball or rather it was going to be in football. And so, hence, that's why I made it mandatory that wherever I went, I would do both and then let my abilities play out. Yeah. And so, that's what happened here at UK. Uh -huh. You know, I played freshman ball. My freshman year, we had all these great players, and I played freshman ball. But, hell, I think I averaged 25, 30 points a game. And, uh, but I knew I wasn't going to get to play that year because yeah. we had all these incredible players. Yeah. But the next year, I knew I was going to get a shot, or at least I thought I was going to get a shot. Well, Joe had different ideas. And so once Coach Moss came in, he said, you want to – be the third or fourth guy coming off the bench, or do you want to be captain of the football team? I'll see you over there tomorrow, Coach. That's right. Yeah. yeah. That's yeah. That was a, That was an easy decision, although I love basketball. I love the excitement of it. Still do. All right. I'm going to break real quick. Let me get you yeah. water here. I'm good. Um, <clears throat> he's probably over there to turn down the music. Um, it's 3.50. Okay. 10 till 4, so about 30 more minutes. Oh, I'm good. Okay. Yeah. Um, so here's the part I'm gonna get to. Uh -huh. um, gonna ask you about ROTC in college. Yeah. Okay. Uh -huh. um, then after that, when did you think the NFL was a real possibility? Mm -hmm. uh, at what point? Um, and then my what, sophomore year, I knew I could play this. Okay. I mean, and I want you to tell me that. Yeah. And then what did you 
What did you think when you found out that you were going to be in a room right here? You turn that music down for the shit. All right. Um, we just cut real quick. So if you want to mark the time down so we know where to find that. All right, so Derek, um, picking up there, you were in the ROTC at the mm -hmm. University of Kentucky. A lot of mm -hmm. people don't know that had you not been drafted and taken in the NFL draft, you were going to be an officer in the, in the United States Army. That's correct. Um, so when you look back, mm -hmm. was that something real to you? Were you really going to do that? Oh, Steve, let's take it a step further. One of my big mistakes like that Canadian thing had I been able to go back. When I first got out of football in 1987, my brother next to me at the time was a major in the Air Force. And uh, he said, hey man, uh, if I'm you, uh, I'll go back and do this advanced camp and uh, come in the Army. I know Colonel Ramsey, yeah. yeah. And so, w what's his first name? Bob. That's right, Bob mm -hmm. Ramsey, go ahead. Mm -hmm. And so, I was making so much money at that time in real estate. I'm like, why would I give this up and then have somebody tell me what to do 25 hours a day? And uh, as you would have it, the real estate market crashed. I lost my shirt and uh, I'm scrambling, trying to decide, okay, what's your next move? You know, because I've always been one to think, okay, the next one, then the next one, then the next one, rather than waiting for it to happen, then you gotta figure it out. So I'm 37 years of age. I go to the U.S. Army Board. So I want to sign up for the Army. At 37? At 37. Okay. And they said, I'm sorry, sir, you are too old. I said, okay. And we're talking 1993? Yeah. Yeah, okay. Yeah, just before I moved back here. Yeah. yeah. And so I uh, uh, go to the reserve. So I try to get in the back door too old sir that is one of the things if I could have done uh, man I would have jumped in that I jumped in the military you'd have, so been great. you'd have been a general I know that well that's what Colonel Kelly told me yeah he told me that as a freshman well, I, and I was I, like I Colonel you don't you don't you don't, you don't you don't have to tell me that Colonel I said yeah. I'm, I'm committed he goes no son you will be a general mm -hmm. in this yeah. army yeah I, I really believe that too I've known you for almost 30 years and um, I served in the military for 24. Mm -hmm. I know you'd have been an officer. I know you'd been a general. No, mm -hmm. no doubt in my mind. No, I wouldn't have been an officer. I've been a general. Yeah, so. your leadership is fantastic. Yeah. I've worked for you um, in, in a few places uh, over the years, and uh, absolutely. So <clears throat> with that said, mm -hmm. you were in ROTC in college. Mm -hmm. You're mm -hmm. playing football. Your team's mm -hmm. in the top ten. You're walking on playing basketball for a team that the next year became national champions. Um, no, they became national champions uh, my senior year. Right, right. Mm -hmm. But you were two years later. You were playing for with mm -hmm. guys that ended up being right. national champions. They right. were in your grade. Mm -hmm. um, with all that said, um, you ended up not going ROTC. You get drafted mm -hmm. in the fifth round mm -hmm. um, by the Oakland Raiders. Right. Al Davis, mm -hmm. um, who after you know the 70s probably into the 80s and 90s became one of the most iconic owners mm -hmm. uh in the in pro football professional sports 
Yeah, absolutely, in professional mm-hmm. sports. And mm-hmm. you join a team with the Raiders, and you like my shirt today? Loving it. This is uh, Derek's old jersey right here. Mm-hmm. Not his old one, but this is my jersey that looks like Derek's. Yeah. Uh, it's got Ramsey on the back. Um, you became a Raider. What was your thought when you when you heard you were taken by the Oakland Raiders? Well, it was a twofold, and it was a twofold again because as a boy, uh, on Jet Magazine every Saturday, they had an African American quarterback. They also had the Jet Beauty of the Week. Well, that too, but I was more interested in the quarterback uh-huh. because I wanted to you know, follow in the footsteps of those great guys. And so when the Raiders drafted me and they told me when they drafted me, they weren't sure where they were going to play me. And so I'm holding out that because they were the first one to draft a quarterback number one, that these guys were going to give me a shot to compete. That was my first thought. Well, that went away quickly. And, uh, but the Raiders were a team that I followed because of Eldridge. Uh, yeah. uh, they were a team that I followed because uh, they had a lot of African-American players way before everybody else did in the old AFL. Mm-hmm. Uh, as a matter of fact, they made a living finding players at the HBCs. Mm-hmm. You know, the Art Shells, uh, George Atkinson, Willie Brown, you know, all these incredible, Raymond Chester, mm-hmm. all, all these incredible players. So, you know, uh, that part I liked. Uh, that was my favorite team at the time. Mm-hmm. So to be able to go to a team that you follow, that you know something about, and of course, you know, how it looks outside versus how it is inside is totally different. Mm-hmm. But at least I was starting there. Uh, I was also starting with a team that had a winning tradition. I was also starting with a team that uh, the slogan was just win, baby. Yeah. Okay, so. And it's the 70s, just win, baby. That's right. That's right, yeah. You know, so, uh, and that was at all costs. He wanted to win. Mm-hmm. And so there was just a comfort level of knowing or going in that, okay, man, how good can this be? Or how bad can it be? Yeah. It turned out pretty well. You, you guys had a decent quarterback anyway there. Uh, yeah, we had a great quarterback. Snake. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So uh, you guys end up winning a Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. You were the 1981 team leader in receptions. Mm-hmm. Um, or 1980 team leader. 80 81. 81. 81. 81 team mm-hmm. leader in receptions. Mm-hmm. Um, then the relationship with, with uh, Al Davis and you kind of fell apart a little bit. You wanted to be traded. You no, I wanted to be paid. You wanted to be paid. Yeah. And he didn't want to pay you as much. That's right. Uh, but you were the third highest paid tight end in the league at one oh, point. Oh, when I left, yeah, yeah. As, as I was exiting, yeah. And so you go but to the, that has to go to New England for that to occur. Okay, so you go to New England, uh-huh. you're a Patriot. Right. Um, did the Kraft family own the team at that time? No, the Sullivan okay. family owned the Sullivan's, team. Sullivan's, okay. Mm-hmm. And so when you joined the Patriots, yeah. um, the Super Bowl came with you because you guys ended up. Two years later in the Super Bowl. Yeah, right. in the Super Bowl two years later. Tony mm-hmm. Eason right. uh, was the quarterback. Yep. And you ran into a, a, a buzzsaw when you guys played the Bears. I played the Bears, yeah. yeah. Yeah, they were the better team that day. Yeah. Um, then you get injured. You're out the 86 season. Mm-hmm. And then 87, one more year in the league with the Lions. Mm-hmm. Um, tell me about your year with Detroit. 
Not to skip over New uh, England, but I was I was at the end, Steve, and I uh, after uh, when I was at New England, I went through something I had never gone through before. Which was what? And that's a poor relationship with a coach. Really? I have never, I have never, ever not had a great relationship with every coach I played for, head coach or assistant. Really? Well, uh, Coach Barry, we, we couldn't agree it was Friday. I mean, we just never really got on the same page. Mm -hmm. uh, part his fault, but a whole lot of it was my fault as well. Uh, because at that point in my career as a veteran, uh, would have been my ninth year over there, uh, there were just certain things that was unacceptable to me, and uh, I made it known. And uh, Raymond was a old-style coach, and that's just not how you were supposed to do things. Yeah. But I was a point in my career uh, well, I could take it or leave it. Mm. You know, I knew that uh, uh, I was going to be successful at whatever else I decided to mm. do. It was just a matter of figuring out what. Yeah. Yeah. You but were 31 at that point. Uh huh. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But you know, the year at uh, at Detroit, I was there uh, a little more than half the year, and uh, they released me in. I was fine with it. You know, a few teams called, but really I didn't want to play anymore. What's astounding to me is all these years later, Raider fans still embrace you and remember you. Mm -hmm. You were there for the better part of five seasons. But five years, yeah, yeah. You were there as Oakland Raiders, but also the Los Angeles Raiders. Mm -hmm. Does that blow you away that Raiders fans today still know you, know who you are, and – you know, you uh, there's the video of you on YouTube where the guy is he read a poem about Derek Ramsey that that he's reading to you. Remember his the rhyme guy? <laughs> he does the sports rhyme. You're in a sports shop okay. with all Raiders gear and he does okay. this poem. Yeah. And was it any good? Chris could show it to you. But you're in the video. You're yeah. standing next to him. He's doing okay. a poem about you. Yeah. Tell me about the Raider fans and what you thought of them. Uh, Why are they so I still, different? I still think they're the greatest fans in all sports. And it just saddens me that, that uh, we don't have a product on the field uh, to deliver for them. Uh, they are unwavering mm -hmm. in their support. Yeah. And Raider fans, I, I've been all around the world, Steve. There are Raider fans everywhere. Yeah. Everywhere. I'm talking about Japan. I'm talking about Africa. Yeah. Uh, all of Europe. I mean, you walk. Well, I've been to both of those countries, and yeah. I've met Raider fans. Yeah. Or the continent of Africa. I've been right. to Africa. I've been to Japan. Right. Yeah, there's Raider fans. Yeah. We're everywhere. I'll wear a Raider shirt, and somebody yeah. will come up to me. Yeah. yeah. It's crazy. Uh -huh. um, <clears throat> let's switch gears, because yeah. most people know you for sports. Uh -huh. They don't understand that that was a small piece of who Derek Ramsey really was. Mm -hmm. um, the larger piece is one that a lot of people don't know, and it's your work in government. Mm -hmm. uh, you've been appointed by two separate governors. Mm -hmm. um, uh, both ended up being Republican governors mm -hmm. that asked you to come aboard mm -hmm. and needed your leadership. Mm -hmm. uh, first, Governor Fletcher had you working as the Deputy Secretary of Commerce. Governor Bevin asked you to take over the Labor Cabinet, and then mm -hmm. because there's a larger need at education and workforce development. Mm -hmm. He he asked you to take that spot. Right. 
your big love and one thing that I saw, and I, and I worked for you at, at the Education and Workforce Development Cabinet and the Labor Cabinet, was you really want to help our incarcerated brothers and sisters. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Talk about what you were doing and what you're still doing to mm-hmm. help those, mm-hmm. those young men and women who are locked up. Mm-hmm. You know, Steve, what got me into this whole passion about uh, working with uh, brothers and sisters that have been incarcerated. Uh, when I was playing with the Raiders, I was over at San Quentin, which was a prison outside of San Francisco. Very famous prison, yeah. Uh-huh. And Johnny Cash's concert in San Quentin. He went there and did a concert, okay. yeah. And the thing that I recognized rather quickly was that the difference in this young person being in that corner cell than him being in a sweet suite somewhere was the lack of mentorship, the lack of probably family support, Mm -hmm. the lack of community support. These were some smart people, man. But somehow or another got twisted into a fast game, and in most cases it was the drug game. And if you think about drug dealers, you know, people think of these folk as dumb, scum of the earth people. They're smart. You got that right. There's some that, that have never been caught are still yeah, doing Yeah, well, but not only that, but where, where they're smart at, Steve, here, here's a guy that, that gets an ounce of cocaine. Well, he has to learn how to mix that up. He learned how to cut it up and then to price it out. Well, you're talking about chemistry. You're talking about math. You're talking about distribution. Operations, logistics. Yeah, yeah. All of that. Yeah. And so, you know, when I was there, I would meet these brothers, and I'm like, man, by the grace of God, that could be me. You know, or you or you or you, you know, could could have been. But we had people that cared about us, and that's not to say that they all because some, regardless of, unless Jesus keeps his hand on their shoulder, they're going to go awry. And so I just have never forgotten what I saw there. And so what I was trying to do here in the state of Kentucky, uh, we need it then and we need it now. Uh, more people in the workforce. 125,000 open jobs right now in Kentucky. Uh, I don't know what the number is now, but it's a lot, I'm sure. And for Kentucky to be successful, we're going to have people that have been incarcerated. They got to get a shot. People that have disabilities, they got to get a shot. People, uh, women, people of color. Uh, for Kentucky to be its greatest self, those people have to be included in the game, and we haven't been. And the program that I remember you started when you were there was called Fast Forward? Uh, I started that one. I also started one called uh, uh, Justice to Journeyman. Right, to, mm-hmm. to get their apprenticeship. Yep, yep. And, and you really expanded the apprenticeship program. Mm-hmm. It is now about 700 times bigger than it was mm-hmm. when you came into office. Mm-hmm. For 80 years, 
it did not grow at all. Mm-hmm. Once you took office and left office, it had grown about four or five hundred percent. And apprenticeship is still, I think, an amazing option. And the justice to journeyman program, mm-hmm. which includes the apprenticeship piece, mm-hmm. um, is something they're still doing. Are are, mm-hmm. are you done with government now? Are you done with that piece? Or if the the time is right? Because your name ca- came up as a potential governor, too. Mm-hmm. So would you still consider doing anything like that? Or uh, you turned 67 this year. Are you yeah. just well, ready to be done? Well, it depends on it depends on my health. Uh, if my health is good, uh, because these are things I'm passionate about, one. Uh, second, for the next 30 years, I do not want Kentucky to be what it's been like the last 30 years. And what what I mean by that is 30 years ago, Tennessee, Indiana, Ohio, and Kentucky were very similar in population. Uh, As a matter of fact, uh, one state may have had maybe 500,000 people or more than the other three states. Well, you fast forward that to where we are today, Kentucky's at 4.8. Indiana's at six, uh, Tennessee's at seven point eight million people, Ohio's twelve million people, and you have to look at that and say, why, how, and more importantly, how do we twist this thing or fix this thing so that over the next twenty five, thirty years, we then have grown. But Steve, absent of two things, education, skilled workforce, we'll be where we are 30 years later, just like we are now, which saddens me. Now that, that you've, you've done all this in your life, mm-hmm. um, the, the pro athlete piece, you worked in government, you had your own business, you were a small business owner. Mm-hmm. You know, we just don't have enough time to expand on the fact that you were the athletic director at Kentucky State University for mm. the better part of a decade. No, four years. Four years. Mm-hmm. And then Coppin State for, for eight, eight years. Eight years. Mm-hmm. So you had 12 years as an athletic director. Mm-hmm. Um, and we can, we can talk about that. But one of the major things you did, I think, at both spots was the athletes' GPA improved. Mm-hmm from when you arrived mm-hmm. to when you left. Substantially. The GPAs always went up and there was more graduates mm-hmm. from the athletic department. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And talk about why that was so important to you, uh, y- that you weren't just chasing trophies. Well, uh, it all starts again with my parents, uh, them not being able to afford to send their kids to college, but they found a way for us to get there. And at Kentucky State, at Coppin State, the thing that boggles my mind still, my sister went to Bethune-Cookman in 1964. Fast forward that all these years, when I was at Coppin State, and my point with my sister, on my mother's side, she was the first-time college attender for our entire family on my mother's side. My dad's family on the other side have been educated since 1910, 1907. 
And so when I was at K-State, when I was at Coppin State, all these first-time college attenders. So I had to, Steve, had to prepare them for when they went back to their communities that they're contributors. Yeah, that's great. And that's what was important to me. And like I said, at Coppin State, uh, we went from 56% graduation rate to 81%. And the crazy part about that is in the state of Maryland at that, at, at that time, there was maybe three or four schools that had a higher graduation rate than I did. And the University of Maryland wasn't one of them wow. with all their monies. Yeah. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> so Derek, um, we're gonna wrap up, but I wanna do one last thing with you here. First of all, uh, your mom, Elizabeth, telling you that she wanted to name you Kent mm -hmm. because she knew you were special. Um, Derek Kent. She yeah. felt the whole name was special. And so what I think of, and Chris Bryant, our, uh, our tech uh, help here today, and thanks for being here, Chris. I, I don't know if he thought this, but I thought Derek Kent, Clark Kent, Superman. Well, I got teased that a lot, too. Okay, yeah. yeah. Um, and you have to open up the shirt. You know, uh, I didn't do all that. No, yeah, yeah. Show them the S on your chest. Yeah. After that dunked over them, they knew yeah. it. <laughs> that was the S, right? A school touchdown over yeah, there. Yeah, that they was knew. the S on the yeah. chest. Yeah. Um, but also, uh, here she thinks that that name, Kent, or Derek Kent being special, you ended up playing football with a K mm -hmm. on your helmet. Okay. Which I thought was kind of cool, too. Um, I've got five football cards of random players here. Okay. And these aren't random. Of course, I handpicked them, but mm -hmm. I'm going to hand them to you yeah. and – in you know, a minute or a couple minutes, tell me a quick story about something about them, uh, knowing them, uh, an experience you had with them, how they inspired you maybe, whatever it is, whatever first pops into your head, okay? Okay. So I got five players here. First one, you've already mentioned this guy in this interview. Mm -hmm. uh, so Jim Brown. Okay. There's Jim. the card there. Yep, yep. Uh, Jim Brown. Uh, Jim was a very, very prideful man. Uh, you knew where you stood with Jim. Uh, it was critical to Jim that he be reflective of a greater African-American community, not just a community. Mm -hmm. And he stood for what was right. You know, during a tough, tough time, here's a guy, uh, which is what I really admire, here's a guy that was at the top of his game, said, I've had enough. Mm -hmm. Walked away from football. Just left it. Yeah. Just left it. And guys like him and guys I talked about earlier, Bill Russell, Kareem, uh, Muhammad Ali, these were guys that, that – to me, uh, they personified what I wanted to be. Uh, and what I mean by that is it's great that I got to play professional sports, but it's more important that I give back to people, young people, people that look like me, people hopefully to be able to inspire them to understand that you too can make a difference. 
And so when you're at that level or at the level that I happen to have been at, uh, you got to give back. Got to. Steve, there ain't no way under the sun I got here by myself. I didn't. There were people all along the way that, that have poured in me. That's why when I got to UK, was I concerned about being successful? Absolutely not. I knew I was. I knew. Because they had told me I was going to be. And when people tell you stuff, in particular people that you trust, people you believe, people you know that care about your interest, right? And they're not gonna feed you what you wanna hear. They're gonna feed you what you need to hear. And so when I listen to guys like Jim Brown and the others that I have mentioned, uh, they just uh, gave people of color a backbone and pride. Mm -hmm. You know, he said, yeah, I'm the best, and, and what about it? Mm -hmm. You know, and it, it's so interesting, Steve, how... Where uh, it wasn't really an achievement, but an expectation. That's right, that's right. And I, I, what I remember about Jim, and I, and I was lucky to meet him as well, mm -hmm. is he said something that I thought was brilliant. He said to someone standing next to me, mm -hmm. they were talking about black men and women and mm -hmm. where they are today compared to where they were and where they need to be. And he mm -hmm. says, why are we always trying to obtain, speaking of black people, he says, why are we always trying to obtain, but there's no attempt to achieve. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. the look on the guy's face mm -hmm. that he said that to mm -hmm. told you that guy had never thought that. Right. And I just, I, I was honored to meet him and it was mm -hmm. yeah. pretty amazing. Yeah, but, but again, under the times that, that Jim was a player, the expectation in our community was so much higher. Yeah. I mean, it was so much higher. Yeah, well, in, my little, in my little town, Steve, of 650 people, there's four PhDs in that town. Of 650 people. And most of the people that are there, their parents are all field workers. So it's not like they were doctors and they were lawyers. But they both had a parent. They had two parents in the home, too. In some cases. In most not cases, cases, would you say? No. No, not in most. No, okay. no. I'd say a lot. Yeah. Uh, but not, but my, not my three closest friends that I grew up with who are still my closest friends today, I was the only one that had both parents there. Wow. And one of them went on to be a principal. Uh, the other one is uh, retired as a basketball coach, mm -hmm. and uh, he's gone back. Uh, the other guy got his degree in accounting, and he's been a farmer and made more money than all of us. And the community had yeah. the expectations on him. Absolutely. It takes a village. Yeah. Yeah. I am true. I, I am a recipient of that village mm -hmm. is what I am. And so are my brothers and my sisters were. Okay. Here's another one for you. All right. Babe Perilli. Vito. Vito. My guy. Yep. 1976. I think I may have told you the story. Oh, yeah. I get this call. Vito. Derek, this is Babe Perilli. I hang up the phone. Because he's up on the wall. Yeah, you, you, you've you heard the legendary name. Well, and what I've done when I first got here, uh -huh. I read about UK athletics yeah. so I know who I'm chasing. Yeah. Right? Cotton Bowl winner. Yeah. Sugar Bowl. Yeah. 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 Three New Year's Day Bowls he yeah. played in. Yeah. So he calls me back. 
Did you think it was a joke or why'd you hang out? I thought out? it was a joke. Yeah. Because okay. I had never met him, knew who he was. Yeah. And so I but thought, he was mythical at that point. He wasn't yeah. real. Yeah. Okay. And so he calls me. And he said, Derek, this is Bay Preller. Don't hang up. I go, yeah, right. This is Santa Claus, too. I hung up. <laughs> Did you? Again? Again. Okay. <laughs> he calls me back. He said, Derek, please don't hang up. This is Babe Pirelli. I said, okay, what do you got? He said, I just want to congratulate you. I want to congratulate your team for winning the SEC and for going to this bowl. Because we hadn't gone to a bowl in 25 years. Since he was there. Since he was there. Yeah. That's right. And so I was just so happy that he had called me yeah you know because i had him way up yeah. here you yeah. know with all the gods of kentucky yeah yeah and uh he called me and uh you know special. until his passing uh he was one of my very very i would call him a very very good friend yeah yeah um you know it's funny because i'll ask people who was the best quarterback in kentucky football history mm-hmm if they are in their 40s or older, it's always Derek Ramsey. Mm-hmm. And it's funny because when I asked you that question, you immediately said Babe Perilli. Yes. You and didn't I say said, me. Yeah, you said, no. you said Babe Perilli. He, yeah. was be- he was better than all of us. Yeah. All of us. And right. the crazy part about that, Steve, uh-huh. I mean, for me, it's always about winning. You know, mm-hmm. I could give a damn less about stats. I, I, I don't care about that. Mm-hmm. I got to win. And he personified that. But for the time, he was a statistical giant also. Yeah. He was doing like 25, 2,600 yards. You know, that was unheard of because we only threw. Back then, yeah. yeah. Was, I mean, a big. yards in a cloud of dust. A big day of passing was 15 passes. I mean, you were a yeah. perennial passer then. Yeah. When you throw about 15 times a game. All right. Here's one for you. Now, I don't, I've never heard you talk about him, but, okay. I, but you know of him. Deacon Jones. Oh, Deke. The Sunday sermons uh-huh. of the Deacon. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> yeah, Deke. What I remember about Deke is, uh, you know, talking to Raymond Chester, talking to Art Shell, talking to Gene Upshaw about these kind of legendary players. He had the head slap. And they outlawed it because of him. Yeah. They hit the ear hole with that hand. Yeah. yeah. Well, but why, why do you think they, they did that? Well, what Deke would do was uh, – he had a, a pool ball cut in half, and he had that taped within his hand. Oh, and wow. So he would get these guys. <laughs> I've never heard slap, that. Yeah. And they would ears ring. Would ring. Yeah. Bleed, man. probably. Yeah. Yeah. yeah wow. Yeah. So, what Bob Brown, who was a great offensive tackle with the Raiders, Hall of Famer, Bob Brown would turn those, those uh, clips. Inside out. Oh, wow. So the nails will be sticking out. Wow. So when they go to slap their head, I mean, rip their stuck. head. Yeah. Yeah. No, they rip their head fingers apart. Yeah, well, it stick them, yeah. 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 Wow. That's <laughs> yeah. crazy. I never knew but that about just, uh, I knew the head slap. I didn't yeah. know what was in the hand yeah. before the head slap. Yeah. That's great. Absolutely incredible player. Yeah. Um, here, uh, this guy, you played against him, blocked him, but then mm-hmm. later he became a teammate. Lyle Alzado. Lyle. Lyle uh, was an interesting guy. And uh, I just remember John Madden always saying that uh, in training camp, 
after the first 10 days or so, first eight days, I mean, everybody's got fresh legs and they're running. He would say, you go into a valley, you know, where you're dragging and you're tired. Mm. Well, this guy never tired. Yeah. He never tired. Why? Yeah. <laughs> Steroids. Yeah. yeah. And that was the first time I got to see the effect of steroids on him. Yeah. You know, just because the guy never tired. I mean, he had an ever ready battery, battery body, just, just always going, always going. Yeah. Like, what the hell is going on with this guy? Yeah. Yeah. Incredible player. Uh, he was a very good teammate, yeah. uh, humble guy, you know, until you put him between the lines. Did a lot of charity work, people don't know. He would see yeah. kids in the hospital mm -hmm, mm -hmm. without cameras following them. Yeah. Yeah. No, like I said, he was a, he was a he was a great teammate. I have yeah. I had nothing but respect for Lyle. All right, last one. I've heard yeah. you talk about him before. Um, I know a couple of stories you've told me, but <laughs> who is it? Mike Singletary. Oh, Mike. Yeah, I still don't like Mike. <laughs> <laughs> Mike Singletary, 1977, Waco, Texas. It was hot as Hades down there. The only loss of the season. Only loss. Should have been 11 and 0, but yep. Went down yep. there to Baylor. And everybody thought that we were going to beat them. But they had a guy named uh, Gary Don Johnson. Is that the nose guard? That's the nose guard. Yeah, you've told me about him and how amazing he was. He was the second best player, defensive player, uh, that I ever played against. Of course, the first one was Art. Yeah, and you said when you, when you snapped the ball, his uh -huh. hand was already on your ankle. No. When I snapped the ball, I would take one step. His hand was on my jersey. Jeez. That's how fast he got in Yes. There. <laughs> yes. And then, uh, sadly, what, what happened to him? Play a game or so later. They were playing somebody. They post him up, hit his knee, never played again. And Mike Singletary. Um, Mike, I played against Mike four times, and I never came out on the winning side. Not four times. Once at, uh, of course, when I was here at UK, uh, once when I was with uh, the Raiders and twice with New England. Never was on the winning side. And, and you said that one time, well, I asked you in 95, mm -hmm. uh, when I first met you and, yeah. and realized who you were, you, you said that, I said, who hit you harder than anybody in the league? Mm -hmm. And you said, well, that's, that's easy, Mike Singletary. But he would hit me, and then he would say, <laughs> "God bless you." God bless you, brother. <laughs> yeah. Way to hold on to the and football. help you get up. Yeah, and then help yeah. you get up. Yeah, I was like, Mike, man, God didn't mean for you to hit me like this, man. Come on, man. <laughs> yeah. Come on, man. Yeah, yeah, that is great. Yeah, that's great. But, um, uh, and you said Art Still, besides yeah. him, the greatest. Player. You and Art were teammates. I didn't realize how big Art Still was until this year, at the or this past year at the football banquet for the Kentucky Pro Football Hall of Fame. I'd oh. never seen him in person. He was a shell of himself. Yeah, well, I mean, he was gigantic there, and I thought, oh, my gosh. I didn't realize how big he was. He's uh, Art's 245 now. He was yeah. about 270. He's and, still uh, a big guy. And I, I, I would take a step further, Steve. Art is 68, and there's not a defensive lineman we have on our team today that's built better than this guy. No. No, I, I would agree with that. I 100% agree. At, at 68. He's a giant. Yeah. yeah. And he's like 6'7"? Yeah. Goodness gracious. Uh -huh. A 70-year-old man, 6'7", uh -huh. 240. That's yeah. scary to me. Yeah. 
That was a big dude. And uh, don't 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 put your hands on him. I mean, he lifts he lifts those bands. He does that five six days a week. Oh, he's he's intensely strong still. Um, last story I'm going to ask you about. Yeah. Um, tell me your your welcome to the NFL moment when you were playing pro football and you looked around and you go, holy crap, I'm really here? Mm-hmm. This is who I am. Mm-hmm. What was that? Well, the interesting part about that, Steve, uh, aside from the guys that I didn't play with that were ahead of me here at UK that were in the league, and they would come back and work out here. Uh, aside from that, the first time I met a pro, I was looking in the mirror. You know, had never been around it. Of course, my parents couldn't afford to That's take us to any games it. or mm-hmm. any, any any of that. Uh, but once you finally got there, because after mine, I started to tell you this early, after my sophomore year, I knew I could play in the NFL. And the reason I knew was because some of the guys that I was playing with was playing in the league. And I know I was a better athlete and a better player yeah. than they were. Yeah. And so, or, or let me let me not sound too inflated here. No, no. I you, was you as didn't. I was as good as they were. Well, you had the confidence to know that you could you could hold that your I own. could. That's right. Yeah. That's yeah. right. And then once a guy whom uh, I adored and was my brother until he passed, Warren Bryant. Uh, yeah. Warren goes number number three or number four. Three. Yeah. Okay, uh, in the draft. And I'm like, whoa. Mm-hmm. And so he goes to training camp, and he comes back and tells me, he said, oh, you here, man. Yeah. He said, you can play in this league. You yeah. can play as long as you want. I'm like, come on, man. Tell me the truth now. He's like, no, you, you, you'll be in the league, and you'll play for a long time. And that was additional confidence because this was someone I knew, someone <coughs> I trusted, and someone wasn't gonna feed me no no BS, you know, yeah. just to just to, you know, get my ego going. And I was like, no kidding, man. He said, yeah. He said, yeah. You can play in this league, you know. And then of course he makes the all rookie team. That even validates it further. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Three quick questions, and we'll wrap it up. All right. What's your favorite quote? My favorite quote, ooh, man, I got plenty. Man, I was just as interested you asked this question. I was just going over some. Uh, I pulled up, because uh, I am a big fan, as, as you would imagine. I was a gigantic fan of, of General Powell. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I was a gigantic fan of, one of the reasons I was a gigantic fan of General Powell General Colin Powell. Yeah. General Colin Powell, yes. Uh, he's African-American. He's Republican. He was a general. Well, I want to be, if I were going to be in the military, I certainly would have died and did everything I could to become a general. Second, an African-American that has accomplished. And so frequently, Steve, we're misguided in our community uh, about the only way being out is is through athletics, and yeah, entertainment, and that's so far from true. I mean, not not not, not even. And, and the third part, uh, as a Republican like he was, 
I just admired his ability to be able to, rather you're Republican or rather you're Democrat, he gave you your props and he supported you even if he was on the other side. You know, him and McCain were big friends, but he endorsed Obama. Now, for the average person, when they will be that public and that out front about it, they catch a lot of headwind. We're not saying it at all. Yeah. We're just holding hold back. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, he didn't. Mm-hmm. And that's what I admired. That's what I uh, aspire to do, to be able to call it as I see it. Uh, support who I want, and if folk get ticked off, <laughs> well, get over it. Is there any quote that sticks out? Uh, no. There's a whole bunch, and I was just reading. I just pulled up his 12 today, and I yeah. can't, because I guess I read all 12 of them, so I can't. Uh, the, the best thing I ever heard Colin Powell say was, everybody's engine runs good on one compliment a day. Mm, mm. Now, he was talking about... Uh, it's okay. Uh, we, yeah, yeah. we can come back in and talk about yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, second question. If you could give one piece of advice yeah. to 18-year-old Derek Ramsey, mm-hmm. yourself, what would mm-hmm. it be? Mm-hmm. You know, Steve, I, I at, at 18, uh, I have always, and I still am, uh, this, this, this drive thing. My, my, my engine, my mind uh, never stops. I mean, even, even absent of a full-time job, I still do a lot of things that engage me to, to keep me where I want to be. Uh, and where I want to be is to be able to still be in conversations and contribute. Uh, to be able to give something. Uh, now my thing still is workforce. Uh, uh, I read about that almost daily. Uh, trying to figure out again how we can be better. But I am really concerned about what this country is going to look like in 30 years. Mm-hmm. I am really concerned. Yeah, and. You know, everybody or a lot of people talk about the uh, the gap between the haves and the have-not. Well, I think that thing is going to be so far apart that we're going to look more like a third-world country than we are a thriving country. That's the part that concerns me. We're seeing me. parts of that now, even. Yeah. That's right. Yeah, just the tip of it. Yeah. Uh-huh. Um, and last thing. Um, what do you want people to remember you by? How do you want to be remembered? Oh, man. I want to be remembered as a caring person, uh, a person that would help people when I could. Uh, you know, I've, I've, I've had my day in the sun. This life that I have lived, I never imagined it for myself. I've gotten so much more out of the deal than I had bargained for early. Uh, life's been great to me, and, and but 
you know, even in my book that, that, that we're coming out with, uh, I gave the credit to my parents. Uh, I had the best parents in the world. Uh, I challenged them at every corner because as a young person, really young person, I had a strong will. And my will has never been broken, and nor will I allow it to be. Uh, my will has never been sold. I've been, I, I cannot be bought by anybody or anything. Uh, so to know that, then you know Derek Ramsey. Uh, because this way, I've been all my life, Steve. You know, got some edges smoothed out, but by and large, my beliefs, uh, I've been this way all my life. Hey, I appreciate you being here. I appreciate you talking. Um, I love you. Um, known you um, most of my adult life, and mm -hmm. um, you and I met, and that you know we could go back and visit that story one yeah, day. Yeah. You and I met yeah. the day well, after. Well, let me my, ask you a question. Day after my father passed, I met you. Yeah. So I, I don't think that was an accident by right, any means. Right. Well, uh, let me but, ask, yeah. ask you a question. You've known me 30 years. How have I changed? You know, um, I don't know that you've changed in any visible ways. Um, Mentally, how have I changed? Just in our conversations. Um, you had, you told stories that were, I think, you didn't, you didn't change. You changed with me. You told me stories along the way that you think I needed to hear. Mm -hmm. And you share stories with me about other people. And when you do it, you're telling me about myself. Derek mm -hmm. Jeter took his coaching, his criticism, was told to get back doing this and stop doing that. Mm -hmm. And he took his coaching and he went on and did great things. That was Steinbrenner. Yeah, to, to Derek. <laughs> right. I but you shared that story with me because mm – -hmm. I'd been got I'd gotten coaching just recently mm -hmm. uh, with Irvin, mm -hmm. and you didn't want me to take that personal. Mm -hmm. Listen to what he said. Mm -hmm. um, so you haven't changed in that sense. Um, I don't think the only thing that's changed about you is is probably your age, but I haven't even really noticed that on you at all. <laughs> so yeah. you you look pretty much like you. Did. I mean, yeah. if we look at this football card where you're 20 years old or yeah. 23, whatever it was. Why are you lying to me? You look look. You look exactly like <laughs> this. Look at this. Come on, man. Look at this thing. Look, look at this. What do, what do you think, Chris? This is an old man over here. He looks pretty similar. To it. I mean. I would have no trouble looking. Look, I have no trouble. That's a friend or somebody, a family. See, I look at this and I look at you and I go, that, that's him. Yeah. But if you look at me yeah. at 23, which is less time, it's only 25 years ago, you look at that and go, that's not you, Steve. Yeah. <laughs> but, hey, uh, you know I love you. My family loves you. Yeah. Uh, Lindsay, Max, Trey, Kennedy. Yeah. Uh, they love Grandpa Derek, and we love Lee, and uh, I really appreciate you taking the time to do this. And, Absolutely. Um, what's the name of the book going to be? They call me Mr. Secretary. Okay. I'm looking forward to that. And when yeah. is uh, when is it going to be released-ish? Uh, late October, November, during okay. football season. They call me Mr. Secretary Yeah. by Derek Ramsey and yep. – John uh, Wong. John what? Wong. John Wong, W-O-N-G. Yep. No, 
H-U-A-N-G. Oh, okay. So Vietnamese. Yep. Is that right? Yeah. John no, Wynn. Chinese. Chinese? Okay. Mm-hmm. So I'm thinking, uh, is it Win? Mm-hmm. N-G-Y-U, yeah, I believe. That's the Vietnamese spelling of win, but mm-hmm. all right. So John Wong, yeah, and it's they call me Mr. Secretary. Is this yeah. uh, the photographer? He's a uh, no. Is he's not a photographer. Okay. No, he's a writer. Okay. He wrote uh, Cutler's book with him. Okay. He wrote okay. The so it's Macy's book with him. Okay. So it's that guy. Okay. Uh-huh. All right. Well, I look forward to that, and um, and you know I'm gonna ask for an autographed copy. Absolutely. And um, thanks again for being here. Um, I really appreciate it. I know mm-hmm. Chris, I know it was long, buddy, but did you enjoy that? I enjoyed it every bit. All right. Oh, man. All right, Derek, thanks again. No, thank you. Appreciate it. All right, Derek Ramsey was our guest today. Uh, if you don't know uh, a lot about Derek, you can Google him, pull him up on Wikipedia. Uh, former NFL player, uh, Oakland Raiders, New England Patriots, and the Detroit Lions. A uh, All-American, third-team All-American at Kentucky, first-team All-SEC. And uh, to this day, probably the winningest quarterback in Kentucky football history. Second. Uh, well, from Babe Perilli, but from Babe Perilli, yeah. any other time. Yeah. Uh, but uh, since he got here, nobody's won more uh, after him. So I appreciate Derek being here. And uh, um, I'm, I'm just, I'm going to treasure this podcast forever. That's why you were the first guest on the mm-hmm. podcast. And uh, thanks again. Absolutely. All right. All right. Thanks. Appreciate it, Dad. Yes, sir. Yes, sir.